Hello again. Well, as it's um, Pentecost Sunday, I had a rummage around and I found a couple of jokes for you this week. Um, just in case the first one is so bad, I, I found, I think, a slightly better second one. So, did you hear about the fire at the circus? It was intense. See, I told you, didn't I? <laughs> anyway, the second one is a lot better. A photographer for a national magazine was assigned to take pictures of a huge forest fire. And he was advised that a small plane would be waiting to fly him over the fire. The photographer arrived at the airfield just an hour before sunset. Sure enough, a small, aer- small aeroplane was waiting. And so he jumped in with his equipment and he shouted, Let's go! The tense man, sitting in the pilot's seat, swung the plane into the wind, and soon they were in the air, though flying rather erratically. Fly over the north side of the fire, said the photographer, and make several low-level passes. Why? asked the nervous pilot. Because I'm going to take pictures, yelled the photographer. I'm a photographer, and photographers take pictures. The pilot replied, You mean... You're not the flying instructor. Well, the day of Pentecost was certainly a day of high drama, of fire, of nervous tension, of excitement. And all of this drama followed a time of waiting. Who likes waiting for something? Who likes waiting? We're not very good. Well, most of us are not very good. Who likes waiting for a bus to arrive or for the car in front to start moving in a traffic jam? That's one that I really, I really don't find easy. Holidays to come. Who likes waiting for birthdays to arrive or me to stop talking? And what's the thing that you dislike waiting for the most? I wonder what it is for you. And what about the deep things that are right down in your heart? Or those things in your dreams or your hopes? What are you waiting for at the moment? To do with your work or your home life or your commitments in the community or in church life? What are you waiting for? A while before Pentecost, On the day that he went up into heaven, Jesus told his friends, the disciples, to go back to Jerusalem to wait for the Spirit to come. It's quite a simple instruction. We don't know how easy they found it, but they had to wait. What do you do when you have to wait for something to happen? Do you twiddle your thumbs? Actually, I've never seen anybody twiddle their thumbs, have you? I mean, we say it, don't we? I've never, ever seen anybody do it. Maybe you have. Do you sigh? Do you tap your feet? I have children who tap their feet. It's like Chinese torture. Do you yawn? Look at your watch? Do you tut? Do you pace up and down? Do you get more and more agitated? When uh, we were flying back from Australia, uh, and it was such a long flight... Uh, you could see a lot of people were getting quite agitated by being 
caged in, in this confined space. And they would literally just pace, pace up and down, because they were waiting. We all wait in different ways, and presumably the disciples, all very different people, they waited in different ways. Jesus had promised the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit, but his friends had to wait, and wait, and wait. And the point in the Bible where we pick up the story today that David read for us, it happened on the Jewish Harvest Festival of Pentecost. And Jesus' friends were all together, and they were in one place. Maybe they'd been reading the scriptures. Maybe they'd been praying or or praising God together. Perhaps they'd been retelling the stories of all that they'd done with Jesus and all that they'd seen Jesus do. Maybe they were anxious. Maybe they were nervous. Maybe they were just plain impatient and frustrated. How would you have felt if you were there waiting for the promised Holy Spirit? How would you have felt? I know I would have felt intrigued really, really curious to know what the Holy Spirit would be like. What would he be like? What will he do? And then suddenly, into that room where the disciples were waiting, there was a sound like a mighty wind. The room was filled with the sound of roaring wind, no doubt to a deafening pitch. Tongues of fire, flames flickered above every person's head. Can you imagine what that must have been like. All those in the room were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to praise God in different languages. I thought it would be a bit fun this morning to have a go at praising God in different languages. So I've got three for us to try this morning. Okay, we've got French. I've been practicing all my accents this this week. Uh, So uh, French, and we've got Hebrew, and then we've got Swahili. All right, so you need to pick one. And we're going to have a bit of a practice. So, louange à Dieu. Uh, it's French. Do you want to have a go at saying that? Louange à Dieu. Okay, this is praise God. This is what it's saying. Praise God. And then, Baruch Hashem. Do you want to say that? That's Hebrew, obviously. And then we've got Swahili. Mungu Asifawe. Mungo Asifawe. That's it. So, choose one. And uh, we'll have a go at saying these all together in one place, just like they did. Uh, not with these languages, obviously, necessarily, all of them. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a go. So what, who's going to do French? Okay. We're obviously pro-French here, pro-France here, aren't we? Wonderful. Uh, who's going to have a go at Hebrew? Okay, a few more. And who's going to have a go at Swahili? Wonderful. Right then, let's after three... And say it nice and clearly so we can hear one another. After three. One, two, three. Brilliant. Let's just do that again. That was really good. Praise God in different languages. That was wonderful. After three. One, two, three. Brilliant. Well, imagine that sort of thing happening spontaneously. And the effect that that must have had gives us a hint at the experience that was going on there. People from many different countries in Jerusalem at the time. And when the disciples spilled out of that room into the streets, the people they encountered heard and understood what was being said to them. 
They heard of the marvelous things that Jesus had done. And they were completely amazed. The Spirit had come in power, just as Jesus had promised. And from that point on, the Holy Spirit enabled them to do the things that Jesus had asked them and would continue to ask them to do. And gave them the courage and the strength that they needed. And so the church was born. But a church, not just born back then, the beginnings of the church, the global church, hundreds of years ago. This church, Christ church, has also been born through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are constantly being reborn as a church too. But born for what? Born, yes, but born for what? Born to sing hymns, say prayers, and drink tea? Well, of course, yes. And so much more besides. And so I've just picked out a few things to explore this morning. This isn't all that we're born to be as God's church, but maybe some of these are the things we need to look at now as a church community. Firstly, we're born to be ready. Are you ready for what God's got in store for you? Years ago, I led a team that ran some really amazing holiday clubs for children. It was a fantastic team, very talented and gifted team. Hundreds of children used to come. At times, we'd have up to 400 children at these holiday clubs. It was the most incredible experience. And one of the leaders, Neil, a good friend of ours, led the games in the afternoon with the children. And when he asked the children if they were ready, he'd get them shouting a reply. We were born ready. And you could hear this from miles around. They would shriek it at the top of their voices. So he'd say, are you ready? And they'd all shout, we were born ready. They'd really get into it. So I want to ask you this morning, are you ready? You certainly were. You were born ready. It's true. The Holy Spirit has come. And through him we are born ready to go wherever God sends us. To be whatever God wants us to be. To do whatever God wants us to do. The Holy Spirit gives us the strength and the shape and the courage to be what Jesus wants us to be. We see this in the experience of the first disciples. They were ready and they were waiting. So what are you waiting for? You were born ready to receive the help you need to live for God. Whatever that involves. Secondly, we're born to be together. Now, some unfortunately can take encouragement from the story of Pentecost to be something a, a little bit like glory hunters. I was trying to think of a phrase, but it, you know, something like that, that you get on the TV or something like that. But searching for the next big thing. You know what I mean? The next big thing. And, and sometimes that can get connected up or, or linked up with, with what the Holy Spirit's doing or what people perceive that the Holy Spirit's doing. And there's a tendency sometimes in the church, not just our church, I'm not saying our church necessarily, but the church at large, to do this. But looking at this story, we see 
something quite important and profound, I think. That the Holy Spirit found the disciples and not the other way around. And the Holy Spirit found them when they were together in one place. When the going gets tough in life, or work, in our family life, or in our church community, there can be the temptation to go in search of a spiritual pick-me-up, away from our church family. But the disciples were in the upper room, and they were anxious, and they were nervous, and they were excited, and intrigued, and bewildered, and frustrated, a whole mixture of things, and the Holy Spirit came to them while they were together. They were committed to one another. They weren't giving up on one another. And because of this, they waited together. And then they showed that they were ready together before they were propelled out into the community to share Jesus and God's life-changing love. There's no doubt that God calls people to different and varied church communities. But the commitment to be together and to be uh, for one another, not giving up on one another, is a crucial one. And that's why one, our prayer meeting, our monthly prayer meeting for one hour is so important. That's why the combined service for the Smith family welcome on the 7th of July is so important. That's why things like the picnic in the park that we're going to have are so important so we can be committed to one another. We can be together in one place. So what are you waiting for? We're born to be together so that we can receive from the Holy Spirit all that he has for Christ Church, Basin Hill. So if that was the second thing we're born to be, then the third is this. We're born to be amazing for God. Born to be amazing for God. What have you been born to be for God? Do you know? Are you bothered? Do you feel like you are what you were born to be? Do you not know but desperately want to find out? Over ten years ago, I told you before, some of you, I was exploring God's calling to be ordained, to be a priest. I was uh, working in the church. I had done since I'd, been, uh, I'd left university. So years I'd been in ministry, but it was lay ministry. And there were certain struggles I needed to work through. And one of them was the worry that by being ordained, I would lose myself or something of myself. And it was a real fear. I can, I can remember it now. But following conversations with Kate and others and a lot of praying, God said to me that I would become more the person. I was born to be, not less. And I found that that's true. But I tell you what, being born was very, very difficult. <laughs> and it was very, very painful. And we shy away from it. And yet it's absolutely what God wants for us. And we won't regret it once we're out the other side. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit took ordinary people and he did amazing things through them. So what are you waiting for? We're born to be amazing for God. 
How is the question each of us has to grapple with. Fourthly and finally then, we're born to be adventurous. You may have heard this or seen the adverts for it if you watch the TV, that there's a new car on the market. The engine stops when the car is at a standstill and starts again when the accelerator pedal is pressed. I think this is a great image of what it's like to live with the Holy Spirit's strength, to live in His power, to go where He inspires us to go, to be what He calls us to be. Because this doesn't just happen with us doing nothing or just sitting around. The Holy Spirit comes to us and the relationship we have with Him is a partnership. It's a partnership and we need to show willing. We can think that we should just wait and wait for the Holy Spirit to come to us or the church before we get on and help others to follow Jesus and experience that life-changing love of God. Like we need a huge um, Holy Spirit kick up the rear before we do anything or go anywhere. That we need something spectacular to convince us to step out. But in truth, it's only when we press the accelerator that the Holy Spirit will then bless us and enable us to move off. We've got to want to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. It's a partnership. It's a relationship that we have with God. We need to be ready to move off further on the adventure that God has for every one of us. We need to begin living in a way that encourages others to follow Jesus and to share God's love. And the wonderful thing is that the Holy Spirit will never let us down. He'll be with us. He won't leave us standing there like a car going nowhere at a set of traffic lights. The engine will start. The wheels will turn. The Holy Spirit will give us the strength and the help and the courage that we need. It's easy as church communities sometimes to get stuck in the upper room waiting. We spend enough time in waiting rooms, don't you think? What are you waiting for? We're born to be adventurous and to move off trusting that the Holy Spirit will be there for us. He will enable us to be what God wants us to be. He will enable us to do what God wants us to do. The Holy Spirit didn't just bring to birth the church once. He's constantly sparking, renewing and lighting up new things in us and the life of his church worldwide. And Christ Church based in Hill is no exception. In the song, Fire Never Sleeps, from a wonderful new musical album by Martin Smith, he writes this phrase, Something new is being born. And we were born for this. Something new is being born. And we were born for this. This is certainly true for us as a church community. Through the Holy Spirit, something new is being born. And we were born for this. Amen.